This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Sportsbook. And we have had many, many weeks in a row of football talk. We were just recently talking about the Super Bowl. When the Super Bowl ended, we had two weeks talking about the AAF, Alliance of American Football. Interesting stretch there, and we will keep monitoring how that new fledgling league does. It had a nice surprise ratings report on its first night, but we will see once it goes to CBS Sports Network. So thank you to Yahoo Sports' Frank Schwab coming on last week. Finally, let's take a breath. Let's get off football. Let's focus on NBA and other pro athletes investing in tech. We are delighted to have Rudy Klein-Thomas of Massery, Inc. He is Andre Iguodala's investment partner. They've invested in a wide range of tech startups, including Casper, NerdWallet, the Players' Tribune. Hi, Rudy. Hello. What's going on, Dan? Thanks for having me again. Good Thanks for coming you. in. Oh, yeah. Delighted to get you in the podcast room. Uh, well, let's start this way. You know, there, there's so much I want to ask you about. Obviously, on this, a sports business program, we are talking all the time about athletes catching the tech bug, all the investments they've made. But tell me, I guess, the origin story. Uh, you were an investment planner or a personal wealth planner before you linked up with Andrea Guadalla. Tell me about you know, your career before that and now your, your new focus. So uh, my career before that, uh, I don't know how interesting that was, but I was a, an agent for a couple of years, and then I moved into uh, being a financial advisor. Um, I was a finance and accounting major in school. Um, financial planning was more my thing. Um, I didn't very much like being an agent for the most part. It, okay. was, it didn't really support my skill set. Um, so anyway, uh, and you were an agent working with athletes. Yeah. Yeah. I was an agent working with athletes. I worked at a firm called Williams and Conley. Sure. I don't even know if they rep athletes anymore, but at the time I worked there, they uh, repped, uh, Grant Hill and Tim Duncan. So, uh, so it was a pretty reputable firm at the time when I, when I was there a long time ago. How did you end up linked up with Andre? Uh, good, good, uh, not good question. It's funny. So, uh, I went to Providence College. There was a gentleman uh, that got drafted by the 76ers named Herbert Hill. Um, had a great career at Providence. Um, they drafted him in the second round, um, and he went to the 76ers. And I had my office. I had just opened up an office there in Philly, um, and he was a client. And uh, his, they call him, he was a... Uh, his vet on the team was uh, Andre Iguodala. And, and mind you, at the time, I think Andre had been in the league for two or three years, so imagine him just being the vet. But, um, yeah, we started, uh, you know, hanging out socially first. We were actually friends first before, uh, you know, we started doing business together. And, you know, we're not too, our age, we're not too, uh, uh, I'm not too much older than Andre. So, you know, obviously we, we liked and did the same things at the time. Right. And then it's funny to think that you weren't enjoying being an agent because now working with Andre and then obviously you come into contact with a lot of these other athletes all the time, uh, no longer an agent, but but in the same sphere. Right. So, so how is it different for you now? Uh, I wouldn't say in the same sphere. Um, okay. The relationships are, are completely different. Um, uh, you know, you go from being an agent to uh, managing money. Uh, I'd say, you know, there's there's some. Uh, similarities there, um, and now it's the, the relationships are just more different. Being you know doing business and and conducting business together, um, the essence of the relationship is is much much different. You know, uh, so you can you can you can imagine that too. It's like you know. Uh, the relationship between your wife and, and all your business associates is much, much different, or your fiance. Right. Uh, you become uh, a partner yeah, instead exactly. of a rep. Exactly. 100%. So when you guys started looking at tech startups to invest in, 
what were some of the questions he had or, or kind of how did you steer the ship or, or guide him or how did you guys make those decisions to now arrive at this portfolio that has so many companies in it that we are always talking about at Yahoo Finance that are very hot names? You know, some of it is, well, let's think about, okay, what are the tech startups that we actually know and use and like? But I guess I'm also asking in a way, is it more... Andre and athletes get approached, or you guys take a look and say, mm, here's a company I'm interested in. I wonder if they'd be interested in working with me and taking an investment. Well, now it goes both ways. I think, you know, this, this started about seven years ago. Um, actually, I even go even further. So I, I got interested in tech way before Andre um, joined the Warriors. Um, I started going to TechCrunch Disrupt in 2009, right? So um, I always had an interest in tech, and I just, you know, bought a plane ticket and sat in there in the, in the crowd with everybody else just because I wanted to learn and um, I had to figure out how I was going to get in. So uh, lucky enough, I networked my way uh, through the event. I met Josh Koppelman and Josh Koppelman runs First Round Capital and happened to be in Philadelphia, which I was, you know, where I was as well, too. So Josh taught me the business and uh, he's not a bad guy to learn it from. Right. So, um, again, it started in 2009. And so by the time Andre got to the to the Warriors, you know, the foundation had already been laid, you know, um, a lot of the investments had already started happening. It just had, it was just a perfect marriage, perfect world scenario, mm. you know, so it started way before, you know, this whole Warriors run. It's just people love to write about it. Right, totally. Yeah. Well, and it, I mean, it helps kind of, uh, you know, I'm sure it's good for mastery and yeah, you yeah. say, hey, look, yeah, we're linked in with the Warriors. And, and even though it's Andre, I mean, there's sort of a rising tide effect where uh, the Warriors, I'd say, they're kind of like the tech team, yeah, now, yeah, not yeah. just because of Silicon Valley, but a lot of the players have invested. Now, of course, other NBA players have done the same, but it seems like the Warriors are especially highly concentrated in terms of players who have an interest in tech off the court. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it again... It started early, so even when Andre and I started, you know, having meetings with different VCs, we thought it'd be a great idea. I remember the first event that we had. This is like five years ago, um, before the season started. We had this event in City Hall where we opened it up to. We invited a bunch of tech CEOs that we were close to, and, and a bunch of VCs, and we had the team come out, you know. And that was the first event that we did, and we saw how powerful that was, you know. And and you know, the guys, a lot of them had never had that access before, you know, and they'd never been in that room before. Um, and that was what prompted us to do the uh, the summit, you know, after that. But uh, again, you know, I speak to so many guys around the league about tech, even more so than Andre nowadays, you know, um, whether it be just asking about a company that they're interested in or approach them. Um, and I write a newsletter every week, you know, that goes out to most of the players in the NBA, NFL, you know, MLS, most of the professional athletes in, in the country. Yeah, you know, all these, I'm glad you mentioned the other leagues, because a, a lot of these athletes now are learning, I think, uh, they're kind of combining these worlds, right? They're making their brands bigger with social media. Uh, you know, Paul Rabel is a good example. Yeah. We were just talking about him starting up the Premier Lacrosse League. Um, guys who kind of are trying to transcend their sport with their online brand, and then it kind of naturally segues into meeting other people in tech, and then I believe often probably making tech investments. I mean, right. it all kind of naturally follows like a domino effect. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um it's just understanding your your position, who you are, but making the most of it, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you and I talk about Paul. Nobody works harder than that guy. You know, you, you, you sit in front of him, and it's just like, you know, a lot of times you forget how good he is at a lacrosse player <laughs> is, right? You know? I, I, she, I haven't even seen Paul play lacrosse yet, you know? So, and he's one of my buddies, right? So, because um, we constantly, all we talk about is business. So, um, he gets it, as you know, and uh, but he works extremely hard as well too. And I can say the same thing about Andre. I mean, I had I, I had a bunch of athletes as clients. Um, he just listened the most, right? So 
uh, it's just being understanding that it's just not, oh, you know, the celebrity uh, status of, of having people approach you. It's, you know, there's work to be done in reference to educating yourself and understanding how this really works, you know, to take full advantage of it as well, too. It's not sexy. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a grind. Yeah. It's a grind. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Uh, you mentioned kind of uh, that he was the one who listened. That's interesting to hear because I also am always pointing out it isn't necessarily the case that the players who are the biggest on the court or on the field or the best in the sport are the ones who would become the biggest and, and best known in business off the court. I mean, obviously, LeBron is a, a he's the exception, not the rule. You know, the guy who many would say the best in the NBA. And then he also gets so much attention off the court for these various business ventures. But someone like Andre, I mean, you know, there are people who would say, well, he's not in the first five names I think of when I think of current NBA stars. He's yeah. certainly a star. Yeah. But uh, it's really about. Well, he's not a star. He's not well, a star. I mean, he's a star on the team. Yeah, I mean, he's not a star. He's not an NBA star. I okay, mean, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, he, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't consider Andre Iguodala a star. Okay, so, well, yeah. so that helps the argument 100%. of, you know, you grind to the point where you can get bigger than your status in your sport, 100%. you know, and you're no longer NBA star who also dabbles in tech. Eventually, you know, he's setting up a foundation where he can transition and become, you know, a very bona fide business person as soon as he's done playing. Yeah, I would say that, that Andre definitely has one of the top, five to ten business platforms uh, to step away from or onto once he's finished playing, right? Um, and But the what's synonymous with LeBron, and I think people don't give LeBron enough um, credit for, is people just don't understand how hard he works, mm. right? So, you know, the, the, the hard work and the focus that he has, you know, on the court is the same hard work and focus that he has off the court, you know, and I've had the experiences just, you know, being around him in the circles and, and, and the people that he surrounded himself with. And there's two things that he's done that's that's been exceptional, again, away from just his physical talent is, you know, surrounding himself with the right people. But um, the essence that he's just so motivated to learn, you know, um, and he, he has the same kind of focus that he has on the court, off the court. Right. So I would say that anyone that does have that, again, um, can succeed, you know, and that goes for me, you and everybody else is the essence of work. I, you know, I know you and I've known you not for very, very long, but you, you work. Right. Yeah, you know, man. love working. You love working. You know, <laughs> and it's obvious, you know, anyone that yeah. sits in front of you and, and spends time with you knows, Dan, that you work. Right. So I say that to all the guys, you know. Um, you know, to be successful, again, you know, on the court and off the court, it takes just that same amount of focus, maybe if not more because you don't know it doesn't come natural to you, right? right? So you have to overcompensate, you know, off the court, you know, so and I, that's very, very hard for most of them to understand. Yeah, I mean, the reason I love covering what athletes do in business is because uh, it's so surprising, or at least it's not something that most of them plan for and expect, even though they should expect and know it's coming, that idea of a second life yeah. and even the third life. I mean, there's so many guys and it's like, you know, they know it's going to end, but they don't want to think about it when they're playing. And I don't mean to detract because it's not just they don't want to, it, they're so busy. I yeah. mean, it, you know, you're a professional athlete, like how can people also expect you to be doing something else, planning something else? And yet you really do need to be planning it while you're still playing. That's the lesson we hear over and over and over again from pro athletes is they say, you've got to be setting up while you're still competing professionally for when you no longer will be competing 100%, professionally. 100%. And I think, too, there's there's a lot of different levels to this as well, too. Um, you know, for us as well, it's just not, you know, tech investing or the sexiness of it or, you know, 
possibly making more money as well doing it. Um, it's the essence from a cultural standpoint as well, too. You know, it's very important from our community uh, that the kids understand, you know, it's not just about, you know, uh, bouncing a basketball or becoming a professional athlete. You know, you can become an engineer, you know. Um, there's just so many different things and job opportunities that are out there where people are being extremely successful. Um, they're, they're making a name for themselves. Um, and uh, there's so many more opportunities out there. The other reason I love what you're saying about the grind and the hard work, and it's, it's about listening and learning, is because we're seeing a shift in the way that athletes link up with companies. Uh, I mean, I've been you know, doing this, meaning covering sports business, since 2010. And it used to be as simple as, you know, X athlete is now promoting Y product. You know, named an ambassador. Uniqlo names, you know, Novak Djokovic, its new ambassador. Well, what does that mean? You show up in ads, you hold the product, or you wear the clothing line, and they're paying you a fee. Right. Now, that still happens, but a lot more we're hearing about things like what you and Andre are doing, and that is you get in in the seed round or the Series A, you are investing, and maybe you also appear in an ad, although increasingly you don't, and the company doesn't even need to use the celebrity in ads, but the celebrity or athlete has an equity stake in the company. So right. you are going to get paid later on. So there's the financial gain, but it's also more strategic, and it does take a lot of unsexy. I mean, as you say, people think, oh, tech investing it's so sexy. Well, a lot of it is really dry and boring and takes work and term sheets and meetings. And you really have to just listen and learn. Well, I mean, you know, KD has done a great job since he's gotten on the team of of making substantial number of investments. I, I say, Dan, how many ads have you seen him on? You know, yeah, like very right. few. Hardly any. Right. right. You know, for any of the investments that he's made, I always say, you know, if a company needs you and your likeness to promote whatever the hell that they're doing, it's probably not a good company to invest in or put your money behind, right? The most successful companies that we've seen, we've seen scale, they don't really need athletes and or celebrities to promote whatever function or business that they're doing, right? So let's think of it that way, you know? And, you know, 100% or 20% of nothing is what? You know, right? Zero. So, zero, right? So at the end of Check the day, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so at the end of the day, you know, uh, let's think about the big picture here. Um, a lot of, there's a bunch of agents that are, you know, running around and trying to get equity for their clients and not understanding the, the economics of business and how it works or, you know, what these businesses are actually doing, right? So there's just so much more to it in, you know, uh, big picture and understanding exactly what this is really about. Yeah, when you talk about people getting into companies and they don't understand, and we hear all too often, unfortunately, stories about financial advisors who are not to be trusted and yeah. kind of lead, you know, athletes astray. And you hear about athletes, you know, some some teammate recommends a guy, so they go, all right, I'll make him my money guy. Oh, he, he blew it. He invested in something without really me understanding what it was. Um, I want to throw a curveball at you here. You know, I cover tech, and one of the areas I write about a lot is cryptocurrency. Yeah. And we saw the crypto space uh. Uh, in the last year attract a lot of celebrities, yes. a couple athletes. Yeah. Uh, there was this boom in ICOs, initial yes. coin offerings, without getting too into it. You know, companies that basically have done nothing yet. They have right. no product. They announce, we're launching a coin. Yeah. And people, I was about to say idiots, I yeah. shouldn't say that, but Don't people say, who, right. you know, they want to make fast money yeah. and they say, oh, crypto. Yeah. They throw money at it. They buy the coin. Yeah. In many cases, the coin never launched. Yeah. Or, okay, the coin launches and people are trading it, but what's behind it? Nothing. Right. The company has done nothing. And Richard Sherman promoted an ICO. Yeah. Floyd Mayweather yeah. promoted an ICO. Got in big trouble yeah. for it. DJ Khaled. Khaled yeah. DJ Khaled <laughs> promoted an ICO. And it's like, what was it about this space that drew athletes to it? And working with some athletes like you do, have you ever heard any of them say, oh, what about uh, crypto? Should we oh, do that? I heard it every week, and I, I told all of them, I said, listen, like, 
if my if my Uber driver is asking me about crypto, that that's probably something I probably shouldn't be investing in, right? So it's something that good I never indicator. very very good indicator. I never went down the rabbit hole of of crypto. It was it was too popular. I'm not I'm not a guy that generally runs to to where the masses uh, are heading. Um, uh, and you know we we all saw what the result was. I, I don't know if you read the story about uh, one of the the funds of a gentleman. I think uh, he said he died in India. Did you see that guy? It was a, it was 150 million that he left with. No. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. the crypto CEO. Yeah. 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 Well, that's CEO. oh goodness gracious because of cold storage. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and then you say, well, wait a minute. I thought the whole point is it's digital. You can access it. It's like. I guess it's not so right. progressive. And yeah. he just died Horrible. all of a sudden, like yeah. in India. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that he died, but also, yeah. oh, buddy, right. you right. got to give someone else the passwords. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <sighs> yeah, tough space. Tough space. And actually, Mayweather and, and DJ Khaled were slapped with big SEC fines. Yes, yes, big fines. Yeah, it's not a good thing, but it, it'll continue. Uh, I think it'll be a little bit more rampant as well, too. So we haven't seen the last of it, unfortunately, but hopefully we learn from it as well. Let's talk about some of the specific companies that sure. you've invested in. Let's talk about those. Uh, Casper, you know, a mattress company that here in New York, uh, they kind of went the way of Venmo, and in many cases it's been smart. That is subway signage, you know, big signage campaign. So I think even before Casper probably had sold many mattresses, we all knew it as a brand name. So right. that was very interesting. Um, very kind of millennial-friendly, buzzy brand that we know. Um, another one you guys invested in, Players Tribune, right. Jeter's website. Very interesting to me what has happened with Players Tribune, where a lot of athletes for a time— Although now I see this kind of shifting back, but a lot of athletes would announce their personal news with a blog post on Players Tribune instead of going to traditional right, media. So right. as a journalist, I was like, ah, oh, come on, what about us, right, journalists? Right, right. But um, you know, just tell me about some of those your, your approach. I mean, in many cases, it's just companies that we know about and, and that we use ourselves. But uh, what stands out to you, and um, you know, which one of these do you feel really positive about right now? Um, good question. I mean, you know, those are the like popular ones. The the ones I really like are the ones that you don't hear about. So like the Carters of the world. And it used to be a company called eShares that changed the name to Carter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you invest, um, you know, uh, into uh, if you make a venture investment, they track your investment, right? You know, um, there's no other way basically to track your investments, especially you know when you're making it on that scale, right? Other so, than hoping the company yeah, just fills you in. Exactly. On how doing, exactly. Yeah. So this tracks your your investment, right? You know. Um, and uh, it's growing exponentially. Um, again, uh, no real competition in the space, and you know we love it, right? So um, another company is Zoom. You know, mm. you know Zoom. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've used it. Um, multimedia teleconference company, um, doing extremely well, right? So well, and that's a cool example actually for you to cite because it isn't kind of a sexy name that we know. You know, yeah. I brought up Casper and Players Tribune. Yeah. those are the names you know we always bring up, and yeah. it's like. Well, actually, Zoom, a kind of B2B enterprise yeah, software kind of thing that's, that's going to be around exactly. a while. Exactly. It's going to be around a while. So those are the ones that I really like. You know, you know I have to start uh, start uh, really putting that out there that, you know, the enterprise companies are the ones that, that, that we really, really, really love. You know, and that's I'm really looking smart. for more. Yeah, for sure. It can't all yeah. be Uber and Lyft. No, not Uber, Lyft or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, again, that's what everyone wants to write about. So. Um, even with that being said, like, ha-ha, let's talk about the enterprise ones. Um, you had mentioned to me another company that I think you guys just got into recently is one of the e-scooter companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tell me about that because the explosion in that space has been really interesting. You know, I live in New York. They're not here yet. And I'm not sure when or if they'll be here because logistically it would be very difficult. I mean, if you saw these people flying on, on scooters down the street when you've already got buses, cabs, and New York traffic, that sounds to me like a recipe for disaster. Plus, there aren't docking stations like with city bikes, you know, so... So 
in places like Nashville, I was just in Nashville, they're everywhere. The right. scooters are everywhere. But people like kind of dump them. They leave them randomly on the street. Right. But then the companies, if they're smart, I think they also now have people who go around and they earn a little extra money for collecting the scooters Correct. and putting them in places. Correct. But, uh, but which one did you guys invest in and, and what's your take on this uh, sudden explosion in popularity of these e-scooters? Well, it's Lime. Um, Lime is okay. the, the one we invested in. And um, I mean, all the, the, the things that you brought up are obvious, you know, issues. But, you know, don't forget the companies aren't even two years old yet, right? Right. So, um, oh, well, and by the way, the big cold water to everything I was saying too, people love them. Yeah. You know, well, I was well, talking to a buddy of mine and he lives in Denver. He loves them, uses them every day. Check this out. When you have a product market fit, right, and it explodes, that means you're onto something, correct? Yeah. Right. So at the end of the day, they'll figure out exactly what the issues are. And I promise you that they know their issues way more than we, we do, right? So um, they're, they're, it's on top of mind for them, and I'm sure that they're going to address them. They have more than enough money to address them. But again, there's a product market fit there, right? And it's massively exploded, and it's only been, you know, a year and a half, and they haven't even hit, you know, again, the second or third inning as to, to their growth, right? Um, when I looked at that company, um, I got it from a VC, a close VC friend um, who told me about it, and I had never heard of Lime before, and I happened to be in Europe, and I couldn't avoid it. And I picked up the phone and I said, you know what, tell me more about this company. I went in. Um, and I've gotten to know the, the CEOs extremely closely, become extremely close in understanding the, their thesis and, you know, exactly how, what they're looking at in growth. And um, I love it. You know, again, uh, the union economics are better than, than Uber and Lyft. Um, and they have a, a, a worldview um, that I think that's, uh, that they're going to be able to grow this into something that we, we, we won't understand it or we'll say, wow, you know, in the mm. next 10 years. So, again, it's very, very early. Yeah, when we talk about Lime, you, you know, it's one of those newish spaces where, similar to Daily Fantasy, like I covered closely the explosion of DraftKings and FanDuel, I always like to say... Uh, the early leaders won't necessarily automatically be the eventual winners. Right. Same with Uber and Lyft. I mean, right. Uber's the name we all know, but in five years, you know, because the barrier to entry in that space is pretty low, who knows if Uber will be the biggest? I mean, in that well, case, Well, the barrier to entry, I, I disagree. Barrier to entry is extremely high. When you're talking, For the ride-sharing apps, you think? Yeah, it's $100 billion. It's just billion so many, you know? Like, yeah, but the, the money. I mean, yeah. yeah, the money, the market. That's fair. Right, and, and the brand, right? The brand costs. Right, right, exactly. So, well, so I was going to ask you about the e-scooters. I mean, uh, how closely, when you guys make an investment, are you in touch with the people at the company, kind of asking them, what's the progress? Can I get a report? Because, you know, obviously they have probably bigger investors, too, that they're beholden to. So you can't overdo it. But at the same time, you know, you want to keep tabs on the progress. And how are you competing with the other companies in this crowded space? You know? Yeah, I, I think we're lucky enough to to have relationships with all the CEOs for the most part, right? So, um, again... I always say make a venture investment with with money that you're you're not afraid to lose. Right, right. But so high risk, extremely high risk. Right. So, and there are companies in our portfolio that have exited, and some, you know, some that have, you know, they're gone by the wayside. Right. So, um, it goes both ways. But again, if you you have to be comfortable with making the investment. Um, generally speaking, you know, information is pretty much easy easy flowing. You know, back and forth. Um, and you know, when you make the investment, just know, you know, again, this could be gone. Yeah. Yeah. What are some companies, if I can put you on the spot, that you haven't invested in that interest you and impress you that you watch and think, you know, ooh, they're really doing a lot right, whether in tech or, or any other industry? Um, there's a couple. There's there's one called Rubric that's doing really, really well. Um, and then we had an opportunity to invest in early. Um, again, enterprise software company. Love the founder. For some odd reason, early enough, I just 
I don't know if it was timing or whatever. It was just off, um, and, and they've done extremely well. Uh, another one's Open Door. Yep. Um, heard Open Door. Uh, I was uh, in touch with the founder extremely early. I thought it was a little bit pricey, and again, this was early when I started investing. Um, and again, I learned my lesson. My lesson is, you know, a good company is never too late to invest in a good company. You know, um, so those are those are two that that are definitely top of mind. And then the other question I'd ask to bring it back to sports and kind of wrap this way: uh, Who are some other pro athletes? Obviously, we talk so much about LeBron. Uh, we just had you on our live show, and I mentioned Kobe, who's got a tech investment fund, and Carmelo does. You're working with Iguodala. Who are some other athletes we haven't mentioned that are doing interesting things off the court in business that you've been watching? Uh, David West. Um, okay. Yeah, David West is a guy um, who's. You're going to start hearing about very soon in reference to just what he's doing off the court. I'm not going to. I'm going to let him tell it. <laughs> um, but uh, David West is is definitely at the top of mind. Um, obviously, you know, you know what the Admiral's doing. You know? Yes, um, we had him in. Yeah, David you Robinson. had him in. Yeah, David yep. Robinson. Um, great guy. Great guy. Uh, Meta World Peace has a startup that he's uh, behind. I don't know if you've heard. You've heard of that. Yeah, Ron Artest. Ron Artest, cool. right? Very cool. Are we allowed to call him Ron Artest? Uh, is he is he back to Ron? <laughs> I forgot. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I call him Meta, so he and he, okay. and he always says, you know, he always answers back when I say that. For now, at least. Um, so yeah, those are those are the guys right now at the top, and then the guys that are currently playing. You know, Harrison Barnes, Jalen Browns, um, even Sean Livingston is getting into it as well too. So. Um, you know, there's there's varied interest. Again, we talked about Paul Rabel and in, in yep. other sports, um, and there's a lot of football guys as well too um, that that have tremendous interest with building business off the court. Yeah, uh, let's wrap this way. You know, you're such a smart guy, Rudy. I imagine you're a reader. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We a lot of our guests that we have in are authors of new books, you right. know, sports related books. You know, you are not in here as an author, but right. let me ask you some of your favorite books, either fiction or nonfiction. I love hearing that from everyone that we have on the podcast. So um, I've had the opportunity to, to develop a relationship uh, with Ted Sarandos. Uh-huh. And um, sure. usually when I meet someone um, that I, you know, would love to emulate from, from a thinking point of view, I always ask them what they're reading or what their favorite books are. Smart. And he, uh, he gave me The Innovator's Dilemma. Uh-huh. Oh, classic. It's a classic, right? Yeah. So that's his favorite book. Um, and I'm reading a book right now called Cutthroat. So um, it's about the media industry uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, the tug of war between John Malone, uh-huh. uh, Rupert Murdoch, Charlie uh, Ergen, uh, so, and, and uh, Sumner Redstone. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Reading yeah. about old media. Yeah, I love exactly. it. You know, uh, I just got around to reading Shoe Dog, the film oh, yeah, night book. Yeah, yeah. And sure. I actually was really uh, surprised and impressed. I mean, a lot of these... CEO or founder memoirs. First of all, they always have a ghostwriter. You know, someone else really wrote it. Right. And it's very staid and kind of self-promotional. This, no ghostwriter, you know, he wrote mm-hmm. it. Turns out his dad was a journalist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found it to be really, really candid and mm-hmm. honest. And even for me, someone who's covered Nike for years, I learned so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think he went all really deep. You could tell that he's he's been wanting to do this for a very long time, yeah. you know? Um, and he kind of got it all out, you know? Um, and also, he's enjoyed the process, right? So he's made, obviously, a fortune, but you can tell he reveled in the process from the beginning all the way till now, you know, and he really wanted to share that, you know? So it was, it's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. You're a classic, Rudy. Thanks oh, for coming thank on. thank you. I appreciate it. Really that. good stuff. Thank you, Rudy Klein-Thomas of Mastery is the name of his company, M-A-S-T-R-Y. Rudy is not really on social media, so I can't tell you to follow him. 
He's too cool. He's Just behind keep the scenes. Listening. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. We'll have to have him back on soon. And of course, we love hearing from you guys what you think of this interview. Which tech companies interest you? What about which athletes that are doing interesting things off the court or off the field interest you that you follow on social? I want to hear it all. Tweet at me, email us, comment on the article, whatever. And remember that you can rate, review, and subscribe to Sportsbook on all the podcast platforms. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye.